And now you're gonna believe us, and now you're gonna believe us, and now you're gonna believe us. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bandit Football Fans Podcast. We, for some strange reason, don't seem to have a single Man United fan available for tonight's show. Um, But tonight we're going to be talking about Chelsea's historic victory over City, what that means for Chelsea moving forward with Frank Lampard, what that means for City next season. Obviously on the back of that, a certain team in red, who I may or may not support, might have won their first league in 30 years. And what is all of this going to mean for the top six moving into next season and obviously finishing up this season? There is still seven games to go. Not that it might matter for everybody. There is also a job opportunity available later on, more details in the show. Um, but if you are an auntie or you know an auntie that's good with a slipper, we might need your assistance. Mm. Anyway, on with the show. Thank you very much for listening. I was ready approximately one second ago, bitch. Okay, so blah, 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 blah. Arsenal the trash. The useful Arsenal. What do you think of um, Man City this season? Whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Thank, thank you again for that setup. Turned into like a dubstep remix of D there. Oh, I know that. I that, that That's why I responded with it's such a straight face because I, w- I would not have the piss taken out of me, sir. I support Arsenal. That's bad enough. <laughs> come, come back to the light, dude. Did I make a mistake? <laughs> okay, let me go again. We may cut this and may end up in the editing room floor. Um, okay, so uh, wrapped up Liverpool there. Oh, that was a while ago. Man, I need to pay more attention to my job. Right, so. So, good evening and welcome to another edition of the Bandit Football Fans Podcast. Uh, I am Ben, I will be your host this evening, having performed a coup on Paul Callum to take over duties. <laughs> Talking about who I've got in the studio, if really, sorry, I'm Ben, and I'm a Liverpool fan. I probably should have led with that, given the timing. If yeah, people are unaware, we are recording this the day after Liverpool won the league. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> Liverpool, our current English world and European champions. God damn it. Oh. Anyway, based off of that, um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves and your shit little team? You, you, you literally <laughs> had to go for the triple, the tri- the triple didn't you? Just kinda like, I, I, could, I could say they're English champions, but you know what? I'm just going to go. So that's like a stab, a twist, oh. and then salt in the wound. But you know what, Ben? I, I was fully going to leave it off and be nice, and then I don't know what to go for. Just the devil just jumped up. Like It, it, it usually does with you. It usually does. Anyhow, so, uh, from the sex team to not so successful, Hi, my name is D. I'm the Arsenal fan in the group. Yeah, it's got hurt. It does. Was that successful in being shit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends from your point of view, isn't it, D? Well, you know what, uh, Callum, don't make a mortal enemy. Just go. Like, Hi, guys. I'm Callum, maker of mortal enemies, uh, <laughs> and Chelsea fan on the side. Okay, so we'll make a start today. Obviously, as I led off with a big topic that will come up is going to be Liverpool winning the league. Sorry, it's going to happen. I will be unbearable from this point on if I wasn't already. But we actually want to make a detour first of all and actually talk about the match that sealed it all. Um, And that was Chelsea versus Man City. First of all, Callum, thank you very much for what your boys did. Uh, I was actually, I was telling D before the game, I actually didn't want you guys to win. And uh, up on Twitter, somebody, there was a Liverpool fan who was like talking about, uh, let's hope Chelsea wins today. And I'm like, oh, well, am I the only one that, you know, you know, wants to win it on the pitch? And then they were like, if uh, Chelsea win today, then that means that when we go to uh, Man City, they will have to give us a guard of honour. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, 
oh, opinion changing. And it's like Raheem Sterling <laughs> will have to give a guard of honour to Liverpool players. I'm like, oh, that's not a banner. Someone else like, and to Joe Gomez, who for some reason Raheem Sterling thought he could beat up. So thank you very much, <laughs> Chelsea. I'm very much looking forward to that guard of honour. But a massive result for you guys, Callum. You guys seem to play very well. Thought there was a point where I expected your heads to drop and you kept on going. Obviously, with the break in play due to coronavirus, there's been some time off for Frank Lampard and for the players to recharge themselves and get a bit more tactical. Um, just what are your viewpoints on how Chelsea have played since the restart? Like, I mean, are you, I'm guessing you're happy. Have you seen anything that is making the future look any brighter than before the football came back? Um, I think one thing that helps is actually having a squad mate, if I'm honest. <laughs> having the players to put on the pitch in the first place, that's a that's a good start, isn't it, in football? Helps. <laughs> so yeah, it is great to see um, you know, players like Pulisic actually get some solid game time. We saw Loftus Cheek play in the first game back against Villa. It was obvious to see that he was not match fit as with as I'm sure many, many players aren't. And probably won't be for maybe another one or two games if we're if we're honest. Yeah, I I, I loved. <laughs> I want to say I loved the games, but they caused they caused me quite a bit of stress. So um, I, I don't know if that's a valid point. Um, no, I think with hindsight, I loved the games. I loved the fight from the guys. Obviously, you know, every club has their frustrations. Probably apart from Liverpool. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, we have the odd, the odd uh, grey cloud. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I um, I was really happy to to see the guys again. Obviously, just seeing your team play is one thing. Seeing your team further develop a style of play uh, under a young, I don't know what the word like a maybe like an energetic or kind of you know very agile management style. I yeah, it's just really enjoyable, man. Really, really enjoyable to see. I don't know how much of that is down to the fact. That we came from Sari the previous season, and it's such a difference in the, the the style of play. Or if we had come from someone like, say, a Conte, who was yes, quite kind of deep in terms of sometimes he was playing the back three or back five, but um, he very much had that attacking um, energy to his team when we did go forward. So I don't know if we had come from Conte to a team like Lampard, how much of a style difference we would have seen, but. Coming definitely coming from Sari is in is a uh, it's been interesting journey. Yeah, mate. I think that's that's pretty much my. I my think thoughts. one thing that I would say is quite noticeable is that over the years and obviously under the Mourinho era and with the people who've picked up that team and worked with the team that you know your John Terry's and your your Essians and your Makaleles. I think they were more of a compact team um, and they played a certain style of football and I think you have now built a squad that isn't quite like that. You've got people who are more, to an extent, flamboyant and more kind of active and more progressive perhaps and I think you were building that under Sarri, you were building it under Conte in terms of the personnel I think um, but Lampard is maybe the kind of guy to let the reins off a little bit and give some of the guys that, that room to kind of blossom out. Um, and I think one player in particular is going to sound a little bit weird, but under Sarri, I thought William was kind of like done. Like he just mm. seemed like, you know, fair plays had a great career, you know, he's got trophies, he was getting towards that age. And at the end of last season, I was thinking, you know, that guy, he's not at his 
at the end now, but like you kind of see it, you know, sometimes players suddenly hit that peak and it's like they go from being a first team player to disappearing. Like I thought he was coming to that. Yeah. And I think under Lampard, he's looking a lot more aggressive and hungry again. And I think that goes for the whole team. Like you've got players in there who are really fighting for the shirt, maybe fighting for the manager more. Um, I don't know if that's the feeling that you get. Oh, a hundred percent, mate. Um, I have to possibly disagree with William um, on some points specifically William but on the whole 100% mate play watching players like um, Mason Mount go out there he mm. you can tell he sees Lampard as like a, a footballing um, father figure kind of thing like he, he just wants to like do his best to to prove to Lampard like as every player should that you deserve to wear the shirt and be on the team sheet for the following game as every player should but there's just like an extra thing um, that I see now and obviously with players i think i saw a stat the other day i think lampard played with nine out of nine of the players on the pitch um in the chelsea manchester city game including both teams obviously having played for manchester city as well but just the fact that he's he's played with some of these guys you know as Pulaqueta will know him very well captain dave he will fight for him as as he has always fought but um yeah, that, that fight is very much a big part of it with Tammy as well. You know, Tammy's not the strongest of guys when you think of like um, kind of like more bulldog types like Tevez, uh, someone like that. But in, he's he's much more kind of stringy and lanky, but he puts his body weight about like no one else. And he really tries his best to um, to use it to the best of his ability. So um, to be honest, I'm one of those guys like if the team turns up and fights and shows that they at least tried if they lose yes i'll be frustrated but it will stop like 10 minutes after the game and i'll be like you know what the guys tried and that's it that's all you really ask for at the end of the day isn't it? um i think it's one of those things and i think i mean you're right the majority of players as long as they don't play for arsenal um will wow. play for the uh <laughs> in brackets manager i think with chelsea at the moment they seem to be playing for Frank Lampard, mm. as opposed to, you know, if that makes sense, it's not the fact that his name's on the door, it's the fact that, you know, in the same way, and obviously, he always needs to give him time and, and, and space to get through the door, but, you know, in the same way that people play for Fergie, the same way that people play for Klopp, and you hear about years afterwards and talking, like, I can imagine him starting to forge those relationships with certain players, and if a Mason Mount did kind of move on, perhaps, later on, I imagine he would still kind of call Frank, they seem to have that kind of, he seems to have that connection with the players now obviously that's going to be great for your team moving forward you beat City yesterday how are you feeling for next year I'm actually I mean we've brought in Werner and Ziyech already and the transfer window hasn't even opened how could I not be anything but excited um I'm a little but I mean in terms of sorry to cut you off no sorry mate. but in terms of do you think you are going to be solidifying as a top four club um, and we will talk a little bit later on in the show about what kind of teams we think will be challenging for what roles. But just to start the ball rolling with Chelsea, do you think you're going to be trying to solidify your fourth place or do you think you guys will be going full tilt for the title? I think uh, a team like Chelsea has to go for the title. Whether um, that's realistic in terms of the clubs around you with, you know, Liverpool, just, well... Europe, English, European and world champions. I mean, you can't really say much more than that. City, of course. That's got... a rumour I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think City, you know, they're a very, very strong team. And yes, we seem, we, we did them over yesterday, but um, they're still a very, very strong team. Man United are 
you know, who knows? Could they be coming back uh, anywhere near what they used to be? Like, we don't know yet. But I think there are a lot of strong teams in the Prem, and that is why the Prem is so watched, right? Like, obviously, we've got teams like Everton under Angelotti now. Wolves under Nuno have been doing bits for a while. I think a team like Chelsea, you have to start the season saying we're going to go for the title. You just have to reach as far as you can reach. It's the cliche, but take every game as it comes. Um, I definitely think that we'll be solidifying for fourth place. I would be very, very surprised with the amount that we seem to be investing. If Lampard, I, I hate to say it, it's just the footballing world that we live in. If we don't get top four next year, I'll be surprised if Lampard keeps his job, given the amount of investment that has been put into the club. And if we continue in this, in this vein of Werner and Zia, um and build on that, um, it's, I hate to say it, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want that to happen, but it's just the, the hard, cold nature of the game, isn't it, really? Speaking of investment, I am reading today quite a lot about David Alaba possibly coming to Chelsea. First of all, do you think that's a realistic target? Do you think that, you know, is it just paper talk? Or is it just, you know, uh, is there an actual chance of that happening? And obviously... I doubt any team in the world or any fan of any team in the world will turn down having Dalaba in the squad, but is he somebody that you would like to see your team actively go out and uh, kind of like try to get, if that makes sense? As long as it didn't break the bank, yes. Uh, He's obviously, you know, he's not ancient or a very old player by no stretch of the imagination, but you would say that he's over the hill of his of his career he's kind of on he's maybe plateauing now that plateau is an insanely high plateau being with Bayern and Munich and basically he's 28 by the way just uh, yeah that's what I meant he's kind of yeah, he's yeah. do you know what he's I mean he's at peak yeah, yeah exactly and it's not like he would um, spending money on him would also be a financial investment from that sense of the word oh I see yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but in terms of the player the, the guy's a great player no like, nobody can question that as you said nobody would turn down David Oliver at the club uh, I think he's almost he's almost one of those players that gets to just pick and choose what he wants to do. I don't think that Bayern Munich would actively try to push him out the door anytime soon. I don't think that they would... Um, what's the word that I'm trying to say? Basically, if multiple clubs came to Bayern Munich I, uh, for David Alaba, I get the feeling that it would almost be his choice where he would like to go. He's kind of built that level of status at the club. I could be wrong, but that's my that's my kind of feeling that I get. So it's interesting seeing us go for those kind of guys. The guy is a world class defender. He's a very he's a flexible defender as well. If we could replace Emerson's spot in our squad with someone like him, God, what a addition to the squad that would be! It'd be amazing. Definitely, definitely. And it's interesting that you said in terms of how interesting it is to be linked with somebody like that, because uh, Liverpool were linked with Thiago earlier. It seemed to come from a comment that he made about how he'd want to play for for Liverpool, and it's it's a beautiful feeling, particularly when you've had issues at your club. When you get to a point and you're there, like Thiago Alcantara is an amazing player. Do we need him? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's one of those things you're like, we could actually turn him down. If you told me this five years ago, I would be there like, if we have the chance, should we turn down Thiago? I would be like, you're fucking crazy. But it's a mad point. Now, obviously, uh, it was a great game yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I think the best goal did go to uh, Kevin De Bruyne. Great free kick. Just nothing the goalkeeper could do. My head has been down a little bit in terms of following the title challenge to really focus on maybe how well Man City have been playing this season and I would suggest maybe 
as a Chelsea fan, Callum, you again have been you know, focused a bit more on where you're going to finish. So as a uh, fan of a mid-table team, Demola, I was just wondering, um, what do you think of Man City this season? Wow. Obviously, because you've got this space away to have that kind of more objective. You're the eye in the sky right now. Wow. Goddamn. This is this this is this is what I'm gonna have to put up with for till fucking Arsenal decide to do what they're supposed they do what they're supposed to do. Jesus Christ. Right. So Man City this season, I think Man City this season have been a bit disappointing. Not because I think the main reason why they've been so disappointing is because they're a known commodity. We know the quality of players that they have. So it's to to lose the title to lose the championship i am disappointed mostly because the quality of players that they have at hand should have made it more of a challenge for liverpool like don't get me wrong liverpool have been i they've just been special this season i think they really losing the season last the way they did last year i think it really it brought the team together in a way that showed from day one whereas with man city we we had this conversation early you and i ben where you were like it's coming to that point where pep may have to start considering restructuring the team and like trying to like rebuild it in some way because like it sounds ridiculous to say because you look at the quality of players i don't think there's any apart from maybe defense because let's be honest ultimately does like just bring down the quality of that defense down significantly but like other than that i think like most of the players they have are in such good like form and are so amazing that the fact that liverpool won the league as well as they did if any team was supposed to put up a challenge it should have been man city and they couldn't get it together they couldn't get a good run together and actually come through because i think it's really weird talking about man city because i can't point to i can't look at a, a player and go oh that's the player that let the team down or that's the player or because again the quality of the player shines through so it's one of those things where it's just it's really weird to see it's kind of like if you look at like real madrid and barcelona and then barcelona wins by a huge margin over real madrid it's it's disappointing because you're just kind of like you you have the players and you should have made it more of a challenge like as an arsenal fan i already knew we weren't winning it so again like you said (laughs) i i get I, I get to look at this thing from a particular kind of distance. I could actually see, like, on the, for the players Man City had, considering the fact they were champions, considering this is, like, it's not their first title. They're not, like, Pep is new to the league. They have the players who've done it for quite a while. They have Kevin De Bruyne. They have, like, Aguero. You you expected better. And I think one of, one of the things was everyone from earlier in the season everyone kind of noticed that he had a bit of a defensive crisis in that they just didn't seem to have replaced company properly and it showed in some of like the way that they played so i think if you want if you wanted to argue you could argue that the loss of company did affect them in quite a big way and then you know they just didn't have that mental fortitude to stick with liverpool i think i think apart from the fact that liverpool just played amazing i, I did think that man city should have done more and they could have done more, but they just didn't turn up. I think that's the thing, and I think you're quite right. I think the experience we had last year in terms of having such a good season but still falling short at the end, I think our mentality has shown through this year, and I think it was actually really helped by missing out on the title last year. I think it's created more of a drive, and I think that maybe with Man City, with them actually wrapping up the title last year and beating them, obviously I think they knew that Liverpool would still be good this season, but it was almost like we used our year as a warming up for this season and we've just been absolutely phenomenal and I think I think this is one of those things I think with teams and like you guys will both know it from the teams you know that you've had you know Chelsea's 
you know, Mourinho's Chelsea and there's been a couple of iterations of Chelsea. Um, obviously, you've had a, a couple of Wenger teams. Um, I remember it with uh, Rafa Benitez. And I think we've seen it quite recently with Tottenham, actually, under Pochettino. They just run out of gas. Like, there's just nothing... Le- like, there's an underlying cycle that is just finished and it can just happen at the most weird times. And you would think almost that Man City would have come back stronger last year for what they had gone through last year to pip us to the title. You would have thought there was almost like a strength in there. The thing that I'm wondering now, though, so Pep has kind of had this issue before at Barcelona. So he left Barcelona when he felt the players weren't listening to him anymore. He left Bayern Munich after a certain time period. Are we now seeing that? And if we are, is Pep going to go? Or is this going to be, do you think, the first time where he rebuilds that team and has to get rid of players like Alex Ferguson did? quite ruthlessly and just go you need to you know if you're not you know like you say it's not like anyone's playing particularly badly and there are games where Man City are phenomenal but if people aren't performing when they're supposed to do does he now need to be shown in the door or do you think we will see him leaving the club himself I don't I don't see him leaving the main reason why I don't see him leaving is as a as a manager there's this messy shadow over his career because I don't apart from with um and you can correct me if I'm wrong I think he's only ever won the Champions League with Barcelona or did he win it with Bayern no he yeah, never he won, never won. he like and I think that's that's part of the messy sized shadow over his career where everyone will go oh yeah he won like he can give you a fantastic team to win your local championship and that but then the Champions League the only time he won the Champions League was because he won it with because he had Messi and I think I think with Bayern he couldn't Bayern doesn't have the resources that Man City has like if there was ever a team where he could come in and just go like okay I'm cutting this out I'm cutting this out I'm cutting this out but I'm replacing it with this 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 and this and still get quality players Man City has the resources for him to actually be able to like Frankenstein the perfect squad for him going forward. So like say for example, when um Jesus came, like he seemed to be phasing out Aguero and you can only do that if you have like if the person that's coming over or the person you're you're looking to bring forward is actually of equal quality and could be better which um, Gabriel Jesus could be so it's one of those things where he has the resources to get better quality players and he can afford to lose players so for me I think one of the main things they need to start out first is the defense which means like really and truly like I said Otamendi needs to go he he seems to be like the weakest link in that defense so Otamendi needs to go I don't think hmm. um I don't think Laporte, like it could be Laporte just getting used to the to the league and also i think he got injured like a bit through so like if he can get to that point where because i remember laporte and i remember him in spain and i really liked how he played in spain and i was kind of disappointed that he went to man city because at the time i think i think <laughs> at the time arsenal as usual had the shout and then they didn't sign him and then he goes to man city and i'm sorry wait are you now creating laporte to uh arsenal no 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 oh no no I, no i said i heard rumors and i wanted him personally because as a player it's kind of like like Arsenal, ha- Arsenal- well, of course you wanted him he's a great <laughs> exactly. defender you have David Luiz oh dude don't I don't need to be, I didn't need that reminder right now but yeah but, I, but that's what I'm saying I know your thoughts on Edison his recklessness you're not a fan but he is still a quality goalkeeper on the left wing and the right wing they're doing pretty well and they pretty have resources is the centre is the centre midfield that seems to have the problem so I think if if City can go and find proper replacements or just like improve the quality that they have in-house, 
then next season they're going to be really good. Because like, I was looking at it and I was thinking like, if I had to fix any part of Man City, I don't really think you'd have to fix the midfield because mid- any midfield that has Kevin De Bruyne is automatically <laughs> like a cut above the rest. Any other thing that you're just finding pieces to work with Kevin and see where he can take you. On the attack, like, I, how many strikers are better than Aguero? Like even when Aguero, like, yeah, how many strikers? Like they, they have all around the pitch. Like Sterling has really bloomed. When he left Liverpool, I didn't think he would be as effective at Man City as he is. Like, you know how when a player leaves another club in not the best, on the best terms, there's a romantic part of you that goes, how could you do that to the club that treated you so well? I hope you don't succeed. And essentially, Sterling just kind of went, nah, I'm going to be all right. And he went and he did and he did really well at City and he's done really well at City. And he's, there's certain aspects of his game where I kind of feel like, he could improve on but he's still having an outstanding career so like the main difference i think between the city team of last year and this year is the defense just didn't live up to it and i really think that this is where they really miss company because i think if you have a player like company he had such experience and he was so good at at what he did when he wasn't injured that he kind of again just his presence on the pitch just gave man city that extra like he's kind of he's kind of like Van Dyke at Liverpool, where even though everything is going to shit around you, you just look back and you just see him and you're just kind of like, yeah, that that rock is solid. Ain't nothing going past him. The Man City lost company. I think they also lost lost a bit of their fair factor. Where like everyone knows that Man City on mm. the day will come and they will fuck you up. That's no problem. But then in the back of your mind, you, it was it was so hard because it seemed like such a daunting task because you're like, okay, we know we're going to concede maybe we can score goals but then you look at the defense and then you just see company there and it just like it shakes just a bit of your own confidence and you're just kind of like ah oh, shit i don't think we're going to get past company you get it it's kind of like like it's, it's like when liverpool are playing now right even though you're thinking okay i can negate this part of the game i can negate this part of the game and then you look at it you just see van Dijk, and like van he's just like that man is just like ridiculous you know so you just see you you see him and you know how like when he came and how he played and how he just like between between him and Allison, i think those were two really good upgrades that liverpool got that just kind of because we already knew like with club we already knew that liverpool could attack right you guys could do that but then in the defense like it doesn't even matter who liverpool used to play back in the day all i had to see was loving on the team sheet <laughs> game done you know three so, yeah and, and, and all of a sudden you're like a striker looks at like loving as like you know what i can take him but then you come on the night you see van and you're just kind of like oh no i can't take vvd like he's just and this is what this is that what you've also mentioned ben about how teams d- build around a certain player whoever is partnered with in central in like central defense you kind of think that person elevates their game to kind of match so he's like he's so good at covering for his partner whether it's Lovren whether it's Gomez like he's so good at like spotting okay this person's out of position I'm going to cover he does it so well and it seems so instinctively I love how we're talking about Man City and I'll just turn this into a, a Liverpool love fest. But um That's all right. That's what we're here for. Yeah, but no, but that's but, what all but, of the listeners are listening for. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like City City have lost that fear factor in defense and it means that when when teams and attacking oppositions are coming for them, they actually do think I can get a goal here. Even though you know that, you know, Man City are going to score, you're still like, I can score. I can still get past this this defence. And I think that that's where Liverpool stood out in particular this season, where you just look at it and just go like, they're rock solid in defence. 
They have a, like a really good keeper, an amazing goalkeeper. And for the rest of the team, you're looking in that midfield. The entire Liverpool midfield and the way it meshes so well with the attack. I would love to see, and I'm pretty sure someone must have done this, but I would love to see not just the heat map, but the amount of r- how long Liverpool midfielders ran. Because the ma- the mid- Liverpool midfield seemed to run for days on end. Like Henderson, for all the fact that he got a lot of slack for like, oh, his technique might be like a bit dodgy or all of that, all of that. He still remains one of the hardest workers when he's on the pitch. Like, oh yeah. Like, ev- and that's the thing. Sure. And, yeah, and that's 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 what Liverpool like just go because like when you look at like, and I think that's something that you guys like built up over the years was that you bought some really good players that would just are absolutely hallmarks of consistency. Like Milner, I know people might go, oh Milner is getting old, but Milner has always been consistent from his time at Aston Villa when he moved to City. And now when he came to Liverpool, like, there's no part of that man's career where I could have gone, you know what, I expect a bad game from Milner. Like, Milner seems to give you, at the very, like, on a bad, a bad day for um, James Milner is giving you a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Like, that's... that's He's like the old, like, um, Javier Zanetti. Like, I never... I used to watch a lot more Italian football, like, I'm probably an Inter fan. Um, (laughs) And just, like, he was one of those players who was just, like, you know exactly what you're going to get for him. Like, he will come in and he'll perform. Exactly. Didn't often have amazing games. He could have them, but he's just that that kind of standard. Yeah, and also what, what I love, and that just the extra dimension to Milner, was it was almost like Milner just used to tell any coach he was playing for, like, look here, I just need to be on the pitch. If you need me to play left back, I'll play left back. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember there was a time when he was he had this run of games with Man City where he was coming off the bench and just scoring amazing goals. Yeah. Like and, uh, which he can do, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it it was because it's it's not what you expect from James Milner, but it was almost as if he was just telling the coaches, like, look, don't, I don't care how you get me in the game, just get me in the game, and I will deliver for you. You look at the Liverpool team, and that's what I think, like Man City lacked this season, in that again, no no one player play would play particularly bad, but they just didn't have and they didn't have that extra level of like consistency that Liverpool did and Liverpool had that le- extra level of consistency for in my opinion two reasons one the experience from last season just barely missing out on it and then this season it just kind of just the quality of players that were already on on deck that actually shown through because like you look at it and when the season was coming in I was expecting Keita to have a be- uh, a bigger season he's had his injury problems next year he's going to be a beast I- I'm here for it I don't but like Arsenal, <laughs> Arsenal is not a challenger so at this point I just want to watch good football also i think the level of competitiveness in the liverpool side shown through this season in that like the first choice isn't there there's there's another player to plug in and it just it just seemed like everyone was so on point like this is the thing even when man city was at their most dominance i don't think anyone thought they were gonna go unbeaten but everyone looked at this okay did you think they were going to go and beat him? No, no, no. I, I, I don't remember a time when I... No, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I was thinking... I, I was literally thinking about it. And I was like... Like, even with Man City, there was no there was no point where the team... The displays were so dumb. Like, like everyone knew that on their day, Man City would turn up. Because I think early... Like, early in the Pep era, they were beating teams like 4-5-0 for fun. And... But even mm. then, you could kind of... I think maybe the level of competition, the way other teams were, they could actually... They, there was more of a competition or... I don't know, but I never got that feeling from that Man City team that they could go and beat him. But I remember, like, this is this season was the first time where I went, oh my God, are we go- <laughs> is Arsenal going to lose the Invincibles title as well? <laughs> like, em- em- like, I'm, I'm, like, I was honestly... I'm well, like, what I'm, about last year? There was only one loss last year. Sorry? You must have been... We only lost one game last year. Up until then, you must have been a little bit worried. No. 
and if, if if any other team manages to get it, there's a certain level of arrogance that comes to getting that title where you're looking at it and you're just going, no other team's going to do this. It's too amazing. But, but literally, this season, watching Liverpool just keep going on and going on, I was actually going like, what the fuck are they going to actually do this shit? And then you guys went, and then you guys went to Watford, and I don't even know, like, you, you guys, I think before you guys played Watford, you guys played West Ham, and I think yeah. at some point West Ham was leading, and literally, when you guys equalized, and I think eventually won the game, I just kind of went, yeah, that's part for the course. So when Watford was leading yeah. you guys, I was just kind of like, yeah, they're going to bounce back. Like I said, this season just seemed like destined to be Liverpool's. As the season kept on progressing, you were effectively champions-elect, because Man City didn't turn up as well as they could have, and Chelsea was going mm. through shenanigans. Like, like, as much as I like Leicester, I didn't think Leicester was going to be the ones. I genuinely think, like, even next season, and we'll talk about this later in the pod, I genuinely think next season it's really going to be between Liverpool, Man City, outsiders, I'd have to give it to Chelsea. Everyone else is just going to get blown away. Like, I like Wolves, but I don't think they're going to be challenging. But anyhow, we'll come to that later. But what I'm saying is, like, yeah, <laughs> the, prob- the problem with Man City was they just they lost a bit of their fair factor. I don't think they properly replaced company. And, again... Yeah certain players didn't turn up as much as they sh- they could have and that's the, and that's that's what's so funny it's like it's not even that they played badly it's just that in, at key moments they weren't missing okay so, yeah. so I think you picked up a good point there I mean company was madly missed I think we should point out Laporte was was off as well injured for, for chunks of it yeah but I think um, company really he added heart to the club and I know there are some players there that do but like he just he, he had passion I would say and obviously Man City in the way that they've been set up they're often viewed as a kind of soulless kind of plastic club with no real heart you know they've had money flood through um, and they run quite I, a lot like a business can I just say um, more, more don't worry this is ramping up I said can I just say that comes from a serious place of jealousy because you're just kind of looking like why did they buy my club because here's the thing right I keep going back to work. why are you going to interrupt me to say this because I wanted to continue can i can i continue please yes of course thank you <laughs> right so obviously they are viewed as a very soulless club without really any heart they're very kind of like cold plastic money pumped in and you know people question whether they're a real football club or you know whether they just come in and kind of bought it callum as a chelsea fan um obviously you've got experience with that wow um what do you think do you think can you see guardiola staying or do you think it's time for a rebuild of the squad <laughs> Um, you know, what as your experience as a club that has operated in a similar manner, um, do you think they can regrow with what they've got or do you think a change is needed? <laughs> and that's where I was headed to, Damola. Oh, you say that like I care and um, I don't, but continue. Uh, short answer, do I think Guardiola will leave? No. Do I think that he needs to leave? No. Um, do I think that they need a lot of change? No, but they need to be careful with what they do change. Like you guys have mentioned, losing company was more than just a player, right? I, I touched on it when I was talking about Chelsea and, and that fight and that intangible like source. I don't know what it is. Mm. It's something that Liverpool have just um, bottled in this season. It's fighting for the manager, fighting for the shirt, fighting for the badge, everything that that kind of fans want to see. Manchester City had that with company. We have it with, you know, our captain, Dave. I would never, ever want to lose that. And I think whenever you do, it's almost an impossible task to replace because, you know, everyone is individual and and finding someone who can replace the likes of a player like company isn't easy in terms of their on-pitch and off-pitch contribution, I mean. I think with David Silva leaving the club, there's going to be not a huge hole because of the quality that City have in their ranks, but there's going to be a hole, a big hole. 
especially you know his his nous that he has just like his years of experience at the very very top level I'm sure as good a player Kevin De Bruyne is, he still learns off David Silva every single day. There's no way that you can play with a player like him and not kind of pick up little tiny bits here and there, the way he shifts his body. I just think he's a, he's going to be a big miss. Aguero, who knows how long he's going to be out for. He had his surgery this week. But, you know, as you get older, it, it was knee surgery, right? If too many players, you know, Torres, as soon as he did his knees, he was he was finished. If Aguero does have more and more problems with his knees as he gets older, that's gonna be a big that's gonna be a big place to fill again. So you know, before you know it, you've lost company, Silva and Aguero right through the middle of your team. That's a huge part of City. So I'm not saying it is gonna happen, of course, but if it does, that's um that's a big problem that City need to address. I do think that Jesus is a great player and I think that he's capable of, of doing great things, um, given the right support and team around him what i'm surprised at is and i think we will talk about this possibly in future podcasts but the youth that comes through city you know we have seen foden and ben i'm sure we'll hear your thoughts on foden <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. i can sum them up very briefly we can, we can unpack them in a later episode but it's trash <laughs> stay tuned for trash <laughs> stay tuned for that if you're if you're triggered by that, stay tuned for the episode. I am amazed go into that detail. they don't have more coming through. If I'm honest, um, I am that part of me is very surprised that they have to mm. buy players like Mares, who is don't get me wrong, he's a phenomenal player, one of the best in the league at what he does. Given the amount of money yeah. and kind of, we have to say now that the length of time that City have been in the financial situation that they have been in. Like, I would expect to start seeing kind of some long-term returns from, you know, more of the academy um, places. Um, so I'd be interested to see, like, in the next two, three years, mm. especially with a manager like Guardiola as well, you know, how kind of how City managed this transition from losing senior players of, of great quality as well, not just any old senior players, to bringing through this youth that might kind of be expected of them in a way that we have done. At Chelsea, I think it'll be, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, especially the added pressure that Liverpool have put on them to get instant results as well. They can't just kind of sit back and win the league every year and just slowly bring through youth. They have to perform here and now and invest in the long term. But I I think speaking Definitely. of uh, talent with Man City, I don't think like in particular to do with Pep, I don't think Pep has had a history of like grooming talent and bringing talent through, has he? From when I was Barcelona, because with Barcelona, youth is going to get pushed through either way because that's just how they do it. Bayern, at Bayern, I don't think he had like, I, I like I'm struggling to think of a player that um, like Pep seemed to take under his wing Sterling? and just elevate. Or I, I could be wrong, but I... Alaba? Like, was was he chosen by Pep or was he already at the club? Well, I don't think you can really, you know, if you're talking about yeah. bringing for a youth, and just to let everybody know, when we say grooming, we mean grooming. Oh, come on, man. Really? <laughs> Seriously? What, what, the, what, uh, what the actual fuck? <laughs> but, like, I mean, if you're talking about giving... Uh, I would certainly think that Alaba became a, a regular first-team player on the Pep. Oh, OK. I think if you're looking at players coming through, like, I mean, you would need to... I mean, he he makes players better, and maybe there's a potential a bit of bias in here, <laughs> um, if you can imagine that for me, in that I think maybe he can't do it with everybody in the same way. Jurgen Klopp mm. seems to be able to make everybody better by, say, 20%. Now, for certain people... Like Lovren, that doesn't add much. <laughs> Joking, Lovren, I love you. 
Champions League winner and Premier League winner. So yeah, yeah. Um, you love him now. But, I mean, obviously, obviously, it's about uh, uh, raising players, you know, to a certain level, and obviously working with what you've got. And I would argue that there have been less people that Klopp has put to one side, whereas I think with Pep Guardiola, he has been a little bit more, you know, in a similar kind of way to maybe Jose Mourinho is. It's like if he doesn't connect Cut with you, right. then you're gone kind of thing like that um, and I think you know you, I mean you just have to look at like Danny Ings he hasn't worked out at Liverpool because of his injury concerns the team moved on a little bit without him he's now doing fantastic at Southampton but if you saw Klopp give him a hug after the game like it's obviously that it's not a personal thing it's just like it hasn't worked out you need your first team Klopp to move on but Pep I think is very good at improving players but I think he maybe doesn't have the personal skills to engage across the board of everybody so if people connect with him um, and one question I do want to ask is in relation to Kevin De Bruyne but I think Kevin De Bruyne has become a superstar under Pep you almost week by week watch him grow and I think there are certain people under Pep who have found another level even someone like David Silva I didn't think had another level like you know he was phenomenal already a bit extra is impressive um, I think Pep does bring players along um, but I think he's more selective in who he can bring along but perhaps he gets more out of them than Klopp does to some extent I wouldn't um too far from that to be honest Ben I think it's um yeah, I think summed it up, great. So, uh, Dee's covered, covered it in some detail. We swung around to Liverpool. I actually want to touch on our game that we had when we won uh, 4-0. When everybody scored peach of a Jesus goal. Jesus Christ. Like, all of those goals you were mean amazing. when, when um, Trent scored that It was interesting because the first game back against Everton just seemed so odd. It felt like a training match. It felt like a... And obviously, we've been on a forced break. Like, it's been a while. I genuinely forgot how good Liverpool are. I'm not meaning to, like, fully go out and gas up, but in that before like just when you have all of the players on the pitch and you've got Trent and you've got Robbo and you've got the forwards doing the movement and dropping back into midfield it blew my mind when like we brought on Cater as a sub and I'm thinking back to teams where we had like fucking Paul Koncheski and Paulson <laughs> playing for us and I'm like and now we have <laughs> Ricky now Lambert. we have like Nabi Keita, who I would have chewed my left leg off to have in the team at all and play every minute for us that he could and now he's coming off the bench. Oxley Chamberlain coming off the bench, like the team that Klopp has put together is outstanding and I don't want to bag on it about it too much because I mean already everybody is jumping on it like Sky Sports is like constant articles, um, BBC is constant, like BT everybody and there's you know there's still seven games after the season so you are going to hear a lot about this and I'm aware that uh, Liverpool fans have a reputation for harping on about anything they can do. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure listeners <laughs> from another club don't want to really hear it. But just it's amazing to me. Like no, I was alive never. just for the last time we won it. But I don't remember it. I, I've been saying to you guys before the show, like just the little things, just like that our shirt will have the Champions, you know, badge next season. But like someone showed me a table who was on. I think it reminded me on the, the BT live broadcast. They're like, here you go, Liverpool fans. You haven't seen this. For a while and rather than a number one there was a c next to our name and i was like oh, we're there we're champions oh my god like this doesn't happen but just yeah just for every liverpool fan who is currently listening to this right now just enjoy it really is all i can say to have wrapped it up 
so early. It'd be fantastic if we can beat Man City's points total. We've still got records that can fall, so I'm hoping, you know, they deserve to if they want to, but I mean, I'm hoping the players don't take the foot off the pedal because, I mean, like you were saying, D, with the, the unbeatable things, I think there's, you know, sometimes you've got to take advantage of the situations and we might not ever be in a position again to challenge that points total. Hopefully we'll be challenging for the league. But just phenomenal performance by everybody. I think the fans have been brilliant this year, like really getting behind the team and supporting them. And in terms of mentality as well, you guys both brought up how we're very good at um, just kind of like, uh, you know, people call us mentality monsters and I think fans have got their head around it so if you're listening to this you're a Liverpool fan like well done to you as well because I think there's been a lack of panic and although the majority of results have gone our way particularly earlier in the season there were some performances where we were looking a little bit have they got the steam like have they got the but to keep getting result after result and the fans never lose the faith it has been an amazing season despite the fact it's not finished we're champions of the world Europe the universe Liverpool it's brilliant <laughs> England Wales as well fuck it we'll take them as well <laughs> yeah that's it. I, I mean I don't really want to say a lot I mean I've said quite a lot about Liverpool already but like really? you're, really you're you know you're going to hear it all you spent 15 minutes talking about Liverpool <laughs> oh no it's, 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 it's only fair like it, 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 coming, coming from me coming from me is perfectly fine of course coming because from, like, uh, from... cause you're that, that mid table um, mid table fan who gives a good advantage <laughs> so wow. moving on so obviously this season we've had had three or four teams kind of pulling forward less of having a great season Chelsea are doing very well um, I would say it was only a two horse race in the title really after the first couple of months when Leicester fell away a little bit but I think you know Chelsea and Leicester have done very well do we think Leicester are going to be back up there next year do you think they're going to hold it do you think it's more likely perhaps that Man United will come back up right now I kind of like <sighs> With the addition of uh, Fernandez and Pogba seeming to have found his rhythm, I, I, w- I think the only reason I wouldn't give it to United just yet is because it seems that if they can't get it done with their starting eleven or what okay. would traditionally be their starting eleven, then they just they won't be able to pull it off. So, and I think like this is where Leicester, I believe, have the advantage in that I think I saw them when they played Watford and okay. I watched that game against Watford, which I don't know if you guys remember, I was chatting in the group where I was like, that game deserved to end in a draw just because both teams just played out of their skins. And it was good to see, I noticed with Leicester, I don't know if this is... Just this is if this is down to like Rogers or it's just they just seem like a team that we said and you made this point several times about how well managed they are from like just operational level downright to like on pitch performance. So I really do think like Leicester do have it in them, but I really depending on how how Man United spend this summer is where I would then be able to give a definite. But based on current teams right now, I would definitely say like the table genuinely fe- reflects where both teams stand right now. I would give it to Leicester over United but I also know that United actually have the money to actually change their bench significantly yeah so I was just going to say just Callum picking up on that I mean as Chelsea who are you more likely to be looking over your shoulder for do you think next season Leicester or Man United oh god mate in my blood it's United always United. <laughs> I, I have if there's one thing I teach my child it's never rule out United like I will whisper that to them on my deathbed um, <laughs> that's just been burnt into my soul I'm afraid <laughs> that, that, that'll be beautiful last words as I as I get in closer you're like <laughs> <laughs> 
for Deji is going to be nearby his shit. And for Callum is apparently never allowed oh, to Oh, he's full on This is really bad. It's gone really weirdly comically morbid, but I can just see you guys in the same graveyard next to each other and Callum's, uh, Callum's gravestone saying, I told you to never rule out Man United. <laughs> <laughs> they just want to say fuck Neymar like that would be beautiful <laughs> I, 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 mine, mine's on the other side with I told you so it was trash <laughs> You know what? This is like now that you pointed it out. I'm trying to think of like a definite statement that has stayed true with me. And honestly, you like is there something that I actually stick to in the group always? What for you? Yeah, because nothing um, comes to mind. I can't imagine uh, when you say "don't like, get short with me." Because I <laughs> oh for God's you sake, say really? you raggedy bitch. That's yeah, raggedy. Ra- yes, raggedy bitch could be on my head. So now, with Ramon, it will be something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But um. <laughs> Let's because this was this was because we were going to segue into um, the teams that are going to be the top six. I wanted to actually cover that without mentioning it as a title, and then we were going to. That's all right. Thank you for doing that. Oh my bad. Captioning this, I was going for more of a subtle approach, which I could then record an intro over explaining where we went. But that's cool. So um, Ben, I I was going to make a yes. Don't worry, you're editing. You can you can make it look good. <laughs> this is just going to be an hour of me going. <laughs> Sorry, Callum. I think you were trying to get something. You know what? If you actually did that, I wouldn't be mad. I'd respect it. I really would. <laughs> you waited what thirty years for this? Go nuts, man. Go nuts. <laughs> Sorry, Callum. I think you were uh, trying to say something. Uh, yes, mate. All I was going to say was um, you, the, your the answer to your original question who do I think is going to finish higher originally I'd said never rule out United Mm. but in terms of looking over my shoulder I think just have to give it to Leicester we've already covered on the pod about um, the kind of mentality that that some of the players have in some of the biggest teams these days about fighting and I think that's what Rodgers has done for Leicester where I think that Klopp then elevated Liverpool was what you mentioned, that mentality, that strength, when things don't necessarily go your way, how do you then come back for it? Because I think when Rodgers was at Liverpool, you guys had that fight, but as soon as it started to... God, I was going to say slip there. As soon as it started to... Um... <laughs> I genuinely, I didn't mean it. <laughs> Genuinely, I didn't mean it. Um, really? You didn't, Callum? Are you sure? (laughs) No, I didn't. Anybody who knows me... was it just a slip? (laughs) No, I I love Stevie G. 100%. (laughs) No, genuinely, I do think that that's where Klopp has elevated you guys. Rogers gave you that fight, but Klopp gave you that consistent fight, if that makes sense. No matter what happened, you guys fought and you just kept fighting. And I think that's where sometimes Rogers is Liverpool just lost out a little bit if I could just sum up Rogers' career quite quickly and I don't think that's particularly a fair thing to do but just as kind of like mm. headline I think he did a fantastic job with us he brought in some good players maybe the issue he had and I fully get it as a young coach I think he was a bit overawed by the size of the job and by the size of the club okay. and I think he maybe didn't put his foot down and I think 
he needed to get his head he's he's still seeing like towards the end of his reign he was still there like oh you know it's it's great to be the manager of Liverpool which is obviously you know what you want you do want him to be positive about the club but it was still a little bit wide eyed and excited and it's like you've been three four years now like this is your club or you know maybe not the actual club infrastructure but your team like you should be there more confidence in yourself and your ability as a manager and I think that transcended a little bit to the players whereas Klopp being a little bit older and with having those trophies under his belt when he came in. I think he's spoken a lot about turning us doubters into believers. And I think that that is the key thing that he has done. Like Rogers was like, we can do this. And Klopp was, we will do this. Like if you yeah. follow this plan, we will win. And then you will get all the trophies you want. And you can just see it in the way that people play. Like it's consistent doing the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing, doing the same thing. And when it works, it just works. And I think that's, I think Rodgers is getting that more. I think going to Celtic was fantastic because in some ways it was a step down from the size of a Liverpool job. But at the same time, the pressure isn't off in any way, shape or form um, due to the size of the club there. Um, and I just think at Leicester, he seems more a part of the club than perhaps he did at Liverpool. He seems a bit more embedded than he managed to get at Liverpool. Mm. But saying that, he did fantastic. He started building the team that you know Klopp then took on you know so thank you very much to him um, you know he's a part of the victory and he's already come out and said I swear to god didn't you say didn't you post on Twitter thank you to Benitez are you just thanking all previous managers and just going thank you thank you you we could have done this an option you know what I put I put that that post up on Twitter yeah and I got something like 50 60 retweets or something like that and I made a fucking spelling mistake. And it's like, this is the most retweeted thing I've ever done on Twitter. And it's the one with the fucking spelling mistake. In the hashtag, it was when I say hashtag champions, it says hashtag championed with a D. You know what? In, in, hit the, in, wrong in the grand scheme of keyboard. things. Jesus Christ. Imagine imagine if, if he's looked at that. Imagine if Rafa Benitez, the legend Rafa Benitez, has looked God. This tweet's got like 500 likes on it as a response to my one. That must be quite oh, it's pretty can't even spell champions properly. What's wrong with it? Had a couple of beers, have you won the league? Can't spell properly. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Sticking with the teams around there. Um so I mean I I think S- sorry mate. Yeah, sure. Just very quickly wanted to touch on what you were saying about oh, right, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Um a hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with absolutely everything that you that you said in terms of the way he was wide-eyed. Mm. What I found very interesting when Lampard came in to manage us was he was so quick to say, "Right, I'm the manager of Chelsea. That's all good. I'm Frank Lampard. That's all good. Well and done. Right now, let's actually get down to the job." Yeah, I found that that was such a good step for him to make. You know, he's always talked about when players play under a certain number of managers what they kind of learn from each manager and what mm. they take and you know to, to build themselves I, I do wonder if he learnt that from maybe Roger's time at Liverpool what mm. he saw Roger's doing just an interesting little kind of nugget. well I think uh, one thing that Lampard has got that Roger's doesn't is Lampard I mean even from you go way way back even when he was breaking through he was known as you know uh, Harry Redknapp's nephew so like yeah. came in it was like, oh it's that guy kind of thing like in the same way like I got excited the other day realising Paolo Maldini's kid is playing for Milan now um, so that's third mm. generation like you've got that already like that coming through um, and like we were talking about it well I was claiming ownership for <laughs> thinking Pulisic was a good player 
as I do. Um, but again, it's another player. Like I was excited by him from what I heard about this great kid coming through. Like some players you kind of, you hear about and Lampard was one of those. And he obviously yep. had the big move from West Ham to Chelsea where he got a lot of flack. He was in, you know, the Chelsea team and like obviously he learned from a, a ton of great managers there. So but many I think managers. he's been under pressure. <laughs> so many managers. <laughs> but I just think he's been under pressure and he's been present, learning to present himself as an entity his whole career. And I think him stepping into the Chelsea role is Frank Lampard. Like if Frank Lampard walked into the room now and started bossing us around, I'll be like, that's Frank Lampard. Like, fair enough. <laughs> I think with Rodgers, when he came to Liverpool, obviously he had done great at Swansea and he had had like a good career. Up to that point, you know, mm. so far, I don't think he was as much as an entity. He was more of kind of like an idea. Like, oh, there's this fresh young manager who'll come in and he'll change it. And from what I've heard, he took a lot of things from Jose Mourinho and tried to implement that kind of style. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard this story. I'm sure you have, Callum. But when Jose Mourinho first came into the dressing room at Chelsea, he put his medals down and said, these are my medals that I've won. Where are yours? And the Chelsea team, well, we don't have any. And he's gone then you'll listen to what I say. And like, I'm not sure that is how the story exactly went. I'm not sure how much that story got embellished. I'm not sure. But that was the Mourinho attitude. Like, the spe- I am the special one. I've taken Porto to the Champions League victory. Like, I am. Rodgers came in. I think he tried to do that and then he tried to backtrack from that very, very, very quickly. Like, do you remember the documentary where he had um, the envelopes and he was like, oh, I've written yeah. the names of three people. I think you're going to let the team down. I don't think he's that manager. I think he tried, he had learnt from working with Mourinho and I think he then tried to take that and insert that. Whereas I think Frank Lampard is just at the mm-hmm. point where he's Frank Lampard, like he doesn't need to pretend, like he doesn't need to try and find himself. He walks into a dressing room and people yeah. listen to him because he's Frank Lampard. We've seen him on the telly, we've seen him yeah. do interviews for England and for Chelsea, we've seen him lift cups. Like he, He's very blessed from that sense that people know who he is and I think that has benefited him very much going to Chelsea particularly given the legacy he's obviously got at club. A hundred percent, mate. In fact, kind of one thing that I'm... I wouldn't say that I dislike it or that I'm worried about it or anything like that, but it's, um, he's always proper serious. <laughs> and the thing that I love about Klopp is how much of a joker that he is. Like, don't get me wrong, when shit needs to get serious, it does yeah. very quickly. And I'm sure, you know, he has his moments in... Uh, behind the scenes with his players but um, um but some of them Lampard visibly, yeah, in yeah. press conferences <laughs> I still miss you Sarko um. <laughs> I mean you're not good enough now but still with your crazy hands <laughs> Can, can I say, can um, I just cut you off for a second? One of my favourite Sarko uh, stories it has nothing to do actually with Sarko other than I went to Wembley to see Tottenham versus Crystal Palace with my mate who's a Tottenham fan. All right. Um, season ticket holder. And in the first half, like we had seats behind the goal, like really good seats actually. Um, and uh, Crystal Palace were attacking the goal that we were behind. And literally, just as the match started, I turned to him and go, by the way, if Sarko scores a goal at this end, I'm fucking cheering him. <laughs> He's just like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Like, I will. I will. Like, I would. Like, I genuinely would. He looked at me. There was just panic in his eyes. Uh, shout out Henry, by the way, if you're listening. I was looking in his eyes like, he's a dickhead. He actually would do that. Like. <laughs> what was quite funny though as well during that match is uh, Roy Hodgson was obviously um, Crystal Palace manager. And I hate Roy Hodgson. For Liverpool-related reasons, <laughs> fucking Koncheski, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just there, just shouting abuse. <laughs> uh, Roy Hodgson the entire game, and all the Tottenham fans were like, 
Well, I know Hodgson's a bit of a prick, but this guy really <laughs> doesn't like him. What did he do to Tottenham that would make this guy hate him so much? Like, oh dear. It would have been interesting if you did se- if you did celebrate. Mate, if Sato, he had scored, they would have been. If so he had confused. scored as well, I would have been on the pitch because the stewards would be there like. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and then they would be like, oh, are you Crystal Palace fan? No, I'm a Liverpool fan. They would have hit me even more. It would have, gone to, would have been insane. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Roger's done a great job at Leicester. Uh, OGS, I mean, we'll talk more about it with Deji, I'm sure, in the future, but I think he's done a good job. Like, I, for quite a while, I've been banging a drum about him, but I think he probably has a level to where he can take Man United. We'll find that out down the line, but I think, you know, as a stabilising influence, I think he's done a fantastic job. Somebody who I think is two or three players short of doing something ridiculous is uh, Nuno at Wolves. I am a big Wolves fan. I think for them to be sixth at the moment, they're currently level on points with Man United, who are in fifth. Given that they had the Europa League as well, and they had, I don't know if you guys remember the beginning of the season, they were playing like constantly. They had all those games, you know, double legs where they had to fly to like Azerbaijan or wherever it was. They've got quite a small squad. For them to be where they are, I think is phenomenal. And one thing I really like, and this is going to sound quite weird, is like if they buy players and the player doesn't work out, they drop him. So they had that guy, Catrone, who came in. He's now out on loan. There's a couple of other people. Nuno seems to have, again, that kind of ruthlessness that a top manager would need. So, you know, Klopp's done it. Klopp's got with the people that he loves as a person. But, you know, it's for the best of the club. I personally feel if they can get the right, say, three or four bodies through the door, I think Wolves can do a madness next year. Do you guys think a similar thing? What are your thoughts? I, I, as much as I love Wolves, I think part of the problem is in if they were allowed to build in a vacuum, then absolutely... But the thing is why I don't I don't think Leicester or I still say it's going to be between Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea with the outside chance. I think eventually it just comes down to quality tells. The managers are amazing, but then all the managers are amazing. They they like the top six managers, current top six managers are really good. They put in the work, but it now comes down to individual player, like player against player. And the quality just shines through in Liverpool. It just shines through in Man City. And with the work that Chelsea have been doing, it's just going to shine through there. So man for man, even though like you can get the taxes on point, you can know exactly what the other guys are going to do. But if the players that you have can match them, that quality is going to shine through. And I think that's where like Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea have the edge. So even if they get the right players, I don't think like the quality of players they'd have to get to be able to compete with the scoring setup at those three teams, I don't think they have it. So I think they can come close. I think they're going to be a dangerous proposition. I think they're going to be one of those teams that take points of those three teams, but I don't think they're going to challenge in the long haul. I kind of get what you're saying, but I would argue that their best players at the moment weren't particularly household names when they came um so i had heard of them they were on the vagueness of my peripheries you know traore has gone from strength to strength you've got neves i mean mutinio obviously everybody knew um but there were questions you know at monaco like was he getting towards the end of his career and he's found second wind Jimenez has done amazing like they have a network at the club that is bringing in players in the correct way um and they've obviously got the links to the super agent i want to say jorge mendez but that might be a mistake i do apologize if it is i think it is mate they seem to be getting the correct players in. And like I say, they're moving players on when they don't work out. And not every player would work out. So you can't do that. I'm just thinking if they could get a couple of similar kind of players in. And Callum, I don't know what your kind of thoughts are. Um, but I think they've almost got 
an 11, maybe 12-man squad now. And it's when you get to that kind of 16, 17 players, you start doing real damage. Um, and, you know, yes, I do understand they need to go out, they need to go find those players, and they need to, to build them in. But I just think that they've got this setup at the moment that the right three or four players can just really set it off in a similar way to the last couple of signings that Klopp made, made that Liverpool team ping. Um, Callum, you've seen a lot of squad building at your club. <laughs> Have you got any views? <laughs> Um, to be honest, mate, I was going to actually kind of put it back to you in a question. Where or who do you feel that Wolves need to get those one or two or three? Possibly four. Possibly five? Back, um, in. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, but don't be silly. Let's not be silly, D. <laughs> so I will not try and report myself as the, the biggest Wolves expert in the world. And if there's any listeners who are, feel free of to course. educate me on the situation. Um, I try and watch as much football as possible. Um, but there's only one of me. And I only have two eyes that don't work properly. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the areas where they could look to improve, I think they need another attacker probably a wide forward I think it was quite noticeable in the game where Damatore came in their first game back where they ended up winning they didn't they were lacking a bit of impetus without him on the pitch and you're always a bit worried when you rely on one player so I think kind of a, a wide forward I think they could look at maybe a more dominant defender. Um, I think, you know, a big fan of Conor Cody. Obviously, okay. I remember him coming through the ranks at Liverpool. Like, I was disappointed when he left. He left us as a defensive midfielder. really like him. But just the defence is, a, you know, I think they could probably they could probably do with a bit. attack, wide attack, probably a player in the middle. Moutinho is still going well, but you want somebody in there to start learning that role so you can keep the double pivot going, mm. you know, when he does step off you know and he will start going down there will be he'll be able to play this game so you want someone in there and I think a defender would help them out as well they do have some young guys at the club mm. I don't know enough about them to say whether they'll come through but I just think like like I say they need to get the right players in and it's always difficult and I think it's going to be a really tricky market this summer um, well when even this summer or it'll be this autumn by the time we get through the transfer window okay. but I think they have proven that they are able to get players in the door that help the squad and Nuno seems to have the support of the board in the way that he cannot play certain players, even when they've come in for quite high prices. And that is a, a good building block for that. Obviously, I think the main worry would be at the moment, the majority of the people that have come through have been from the same agent. And partially, it depends whether he's got any players left in the <laughs> bank, you know, that can come across and uh, achieve thing at Wolves. But... I don't know, they're my sneaky pick. I think a couple of right signings, and I think they can do something. I think particularly as well, with the field being so strong, I think people will be taking points off each other next season in a way perhaps they haven't this year. Are you kind of kind of saying, like, in a way, um, iron sharpens iron? I, I just think it's one of those things. I think, you know, this season, I have been very confident going into most games, particularly as we've kind of, like, you know, what once you got past that first ten games, you know how the team is kind of like doing it. It's like, oh well, we are just grinding out the wins now. Whatever happens, I think I would be less confident next season. Looking at the way that Chelsea are going, looking at Man United, God, it burns me that Man United are quite good again. <laughs> the way Leicester <laughs> have stuck around and kind of kept up there. And again, like I say, the way that Wolves are still fighting for Europe, potentially, I don't think they're going to get the top four, but it's not a complete impossibility for them to sneak into the top four if, you know, games go the right way. I think people are showing a lot of mm. mental attitude and mental strength and ability that they didn't have end of last season, beginning of this season. Um, so next year, I'm thinking it will be tougher. I don't think you will see 
a season where after 31 games Liverpool have 128. I think there will be more scope for teams to lose games and I think it will be more against each other. I don't. This season has felt a little bit like if you're in first place and you're playing third place and third place is going to win. Whereas I think next year, I think mm. the top one to eight, um, and we will move on very quickly just to talk about Tottenham and Everton, um, just to wrap up that. And then maybe Arsenal at the end if we want to go to mid-table clubs. Um, God damn. God damn. <laughs> uh, but just mainly, you know, I just think there's going to be more big battles, you know, big uh, Super Sunday matches where it's like, oh my God, like I need to watch that game. Whereas this season, I think some of the matches have been a bit like, yeah, Liverpool are going to win the air, Man City are going to win the air, Chelsea are going to win. And I think there's been less competition amongst the kind of top 10 than perhaps there has been in previous seasons. I don't know if that's just speak because you're speaking from first place, if I'm honest, mate. It could be. It could quite be. Like yeah, I say, I mean, this well, season, just... like, I mean, I've tried to watch as much football as possible, but obviously I've been quite hesitant with, like, winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of concentration. Callum, you, can, you, you, can't, you can't be giving him easy shots like this. He will take them. He will take them. <laughs> Mate, I've got clips for days. Anything you've got, I'll turn it into a bullet. <laughs> Literally, just from a Chelsea perspective, like we will beat City and then we'll go and lose to Norwich or Bournemouth and then we'll beat Spurs and then we'll go and lose to friggin' like, Newcastle. Like, Do you know what I mean? It's I, For us, definitely, it hasn't been a case of, you know, first beat sixth or whatever it might be. Maybe, um, Maybe I haven't worded that correctly what I meant was more with those top teams so I think there's been a case where you guys have done well against the bigger teams like I think within that top eight I think Mm. there's been more of a a hierarchy and I think the positions have been won or lost against the smaller teams so apologies if that didn't come through in my but I think more in terms of those people fighting I think this season when say I I don't know this is what I find out I don't know the results properly but if Chelsea play Wolves, <laughs> I would expect Chelsea to win. But it's the kind of season yeah, yeah. where I'd expect both Chelsea and Wolves and Liverpool, as it was, to lose to Watford. And I think next year, I think we're going to get more of those back in the day when it was like Man United versus Arsenal, Pizzagate in the tunnel. Like I think there will be more of those kind of spicy clashes. Yeah. And I think things will be a bit more open. I think this season we've been rocking up. And like maybe it's more from a Liverpool perspective, but I think from City as well where both teams have turned up and if we've gone ahead it's kind of like yeah we've won like there are there are points like where you're just like right we've got the first goal we're going to go on and win this and I think mm. next year is going to be not as easy as that but we'll see yeah. we can only we can only wait with bated breath um, <laughs> Tottenham the team I forget about just disappear and Everton uh, Everton were tough I hate Ancelotti um, I genuinely think he can do oh, a good job good there he, because again like he's a likeable guy he's got players playing better than they were which is what you need to do as a football manager um, what I mean is like I mean uh, Calvin Lewin is doing he's looking like a dangerous striker I think the defenders like Keane uh, Michael Keane has stopped being a joke <laughs> following his transfer I think Everton are going to have a good season um Tottenham, I'm not so sure about. Uh, Mourinho wants players in, but I'm hearing they can only do loans or free transfers. You guys got any opinions about either one of those clubs? Um, with Tottenham, I think we we spoke about this earlier as well. With Tottenham, it seems so weird, like especially under Poch, where they seem to have this amazing setup, and yet somehow when push came to shove, they just managed to just go fuck it and just blow it out of the water. 
and with under Mourinho now, I just I don't see I don't think there's been much of an improvement. I think I think it's that it's just that sense of even when they seem to be doing good, there's still that bit of it's Tottenham. Like there's just this expectation mm. that they're gonna fuck it up. They're gonna spurs it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's <laughs> it, like and I do I don't even I don't even mean that Hi, like Henry. I don't I don't even mean like it's it's it seems weird coming from me as an Arsenal fan considering how fucked we are. But like even when like of all the top six teams, when Arsenal are playing Tottenham, no matter how much I think and they've had some squads that are definitely better than ours in recent years. I still think we can. I still think we're going to take something. If we're playing Man City, I can go into the game and genuinely I would say, "Oh, I hope we get a draw." With when I go in against Tottenham, even when they have a better squad than ours, I still look at it and I just go, "Man, I can get. We can get three points off these fuckers." Yeah, no, it's like it's, it's ridiculous. I sh- I have no like. There's literally no reason for me, especially with the way Arsenal are right now, for me to feel like we can beat Tottenham. And yet, I still do. Whether it's Mourinho, like here's the thing: they could, you could go and you could bring. I don't know. You could give Spurs to Alex Ferguson, and I would still go. Yeah, we can get something off them. Not because the manager is bad, because no, because it's it's just like there's just this sense that like if there's a way for Tottenham to yeah, like if there's a way for Tottenham to fuck it up, they will fuck it up i feel the that's, same that's mate. just it and th- that's why like that's mm. why when i was listing the teams that i think were going to go into the top six i couldn't in good faith give tottenham because i for one think depending on how this season goes this season goes i genuinely think kane and some of the other players have reason to leave because at some point you just have to look at it and just go yeah, this this is not. It's kind of like with Van Persie and Arsenal. At some point, my man just looked around the dressing room and just realized, "You fuckers are not giving me a trophy." That's fair. Because because you think about it and you look at it like let's let's put this in proper perspective, right? Rob Holding has an FA has an FA Cup medal, and Kane has no medals whatsoever. None. Are you? Do you really want to play this game? Sorry, because I will jump on this game. Sorry, hey, you can. Like I know, because I can see the Oxlade. Co- I can see the Oxlade one coming from a mile away. Do you know what? I wasn't even going to go Oxlade. I wasn't going to do that. I wouldn't do that to you. Oh, he says I'm nice. Okay, cool. But I'm a lovely person. Like I wouldn't go that way. 21-year-old Trent Alexander-Arnold. There we go. <laughs> see, no, but no, but and I'm just getting up. I'm just on Wikipedia now. Yeah. Premier League. Go for Champions League, Champions League runner up, uh, you go for Super Cup, FIFA World Cup, yeah. Third place to the for Nations. That's pretty good for 21 years. Yeah, it is. Young Player of the Season twice for Liverpool, PFA Team Player of the Year, Golden Boy runner up, yeah. Champions League squad of the season, yeah. Champion League defender of the season, third place. And all and all, all, all of that. FIFA World 11 nominee, Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or nominee, fucking hell. Like, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> and yet. <laughs> I think he was like on the long, 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 long list. But yeah. yeah. But, and yet, there you have Harry Kane, who <laughs> has, has to be one of the best strikers in the world right now. And because he's with Tottenham, the team just isn't delivering and like at that point mm. you just you, you just have to look at someone just go like no this this horse is not going to run with everton like you pointed out with everton i do think they can they can do they can do bits mostly because i do think ancelotti is that good most likely also i still find it hilarious that somehow he is liverpool's bane every time every time you guys played his uh, napoli side i think that was that was one of the few times where i genuinely saw fear in ben was like when when liverpool i know I, I i i don't i don't even think that's fair i think it's just ancelotti in general like i mean obviously with napoli like it wasn't even fair by the end of it this season like when we got drew against napoli it's like we lost him he just sets up his teams 
Like, we were very lucky to beat his AC Milan side in 2005. Um, if we're being honest, they dominated the game for 75 minutes. We had 13 minutes of good football in that Champions League final. Two years later, came back and beat us. Um, didn't like playing his Chelsea team. Didn't like playing his Napoli team. Now he's at Everton. Like, he just... The way he plays football just manages to be like our kryptonite. Yeah. And we just fall apart. So, yeah, like, so like with that, and I'm, I'm expecting him to do good things with... Um, with Everton and I expect him to like you know I expect him to I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're going to be like that great just yet mostly because and I'm going to be honest I still have like I know Arsenal is not where we're supposed to be but there's certain teams that I still have bias towards where I'm just going to be like nah we're still going to do better than them and I think that's what it is so with me I think I'm not I can't objectively look at uh Everton, I can objectively look at Spurs because one, I hate them, and two, they have consistently <laughs> they have consistently shown they have consistently shown that you know they can blow like because every like every time a Spurs fan wants to talk to me, I just remember the season the year Leicester won it and how Arsenal somehow just managed to get second from them. It baffles me to this day. I don't understand how that happens. So yeah. I mean, I, I think this is one of the things, and I think we've spoken about this quite a lot tonight, and this just happens to come up quite naturally, is this mentality, and I think that Colo and Chalotti will get that almost warrior mentality into Everton of, like, the world is against us, you know, we're a little club, you know, we're fighting, we're the underdogs and whatever. Um, I don't think Tottenham that I remember have ever had that. So, yeah, I think uh, one thing Sorry. that we talked about a lot tonight is mentality and about having that mentality to keep on going and pushing. And I think that, I mean, obviously Liverpool have it. I think Man City, like we said, had it a little bit less. Um, Chelsea are building it. Um, I think Ancelotti at Everton will be able to instil that. I think his teams have been quite mentally strong in the past. And I think, you know, that's what good managers do. You know, he's been around the block. He's got, you know, Champions League. He's got Premier League try also. Obviously, like, he is going to be able to do that. I think the issue at Tottenham is kind of what we talked about with Rodgers at Liverpool. I think it was last season, D, you were saying, uh, I was being cocky, if you can imagine that, um, and being like, oh, Liverpool are going to win, Liverpool, blah, 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 blah. the only team I'm worried about is City. And you said, well, what about Tottenham? I'm like, no, Tottenham, they just, like, they just won't. Like, I just know that they won't. Like, I was never worried about the Champions League final when we played them. It was like, when we drew against them, it's like, they're just not going to be able to do it. Like, I love some of their players, but there's something at that club they haven't been able to build that. I don't know if you guys agree, Callum. I don't know what your viewpoints are. We haven't heard yours really on top of them yet. But I just think until they get over, until someone comes in and fires them up in the same way that Klopp does at Liverpool, they can have the best business operating model in the world. They can bring great young players, but until... They have that fire, and maybe Mourinho can get it, but I think the players he's got are a little bit too mentally soft. He doesn't quite have the kind of gritty kind of John Terry's that he had. Cardo Carvalho, those kind of players. <laughs> um, and obviously you've seen, Callum, your team kind of get that under uh, Mourinho and then carry on with people like Ancelotti. Can you see it happening, or do you think, like me and D do, that they're just going to kind of... The annoying thing with Spurs is that I would... Like ninety nine percent of me has the same view as exactly like D described. Their Spurs, they're gonna bottle it. But the thing that always still scars me to this day is that two thousand and eight Carlin Cup Ooh. final, and where, <laughs> where I was so certain that we were gonna do them, and yeah, somehow they got that win, they got that trophy. 
and that's what's kind of I'm, I, I don't know if you guys have picked up a trend here I like things happen and they get scarred <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm then from that point on very very hesitant uh, Callum, to make, Callum how do you feel about Bournemouth uh, then? You know, <laughs> oh trust me um, I, I wish Kale was here right now because <laughs> <laughs> it would be the Bournemouth podcast <laughs> <laughs> can I just say, and I will let you finish, Kanye West Um But it's just you can just tell how well Chelsea fans were eating for so long. But it's like I remember this one match where something happened and it hurt my feelings, and I'm like, I remember a fucking decade where everything hurts. Yeah, again, like fucking Bonchesky. Then, as as an Arsenal fan, I'm right there with you. I I had I had to put up with Chama for no, fuck's sake. No, 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 you're not. But you will be. It's coming, and you think you know pain now. <laughs> it's gonna go hellraiser shit. You're gonna get sucked into that little cube, and you're just gonna get stripped apart. And the whole time, you're gonna be looking at the club like it's 2028. Why is Shaka still here? How is he captain again? <laughs> oh, um, sorry, I cut you off, Callum. Did you have any more comments on Tottenham? Oh, um, I don't really know what to make of Spurs, to be honest, mate. Um, my main feeling with them is that Mourinho has made so many enemies and burnt so many bridges that he's just building up the list of teams <laughs> that want to do him in every single week. See, uh, I, I just love so... the way it's almost like he goes through a period where he pretends to be nice again so he can build more bridges yeah. so he's got something to burn <laughs> it's like fuck they're all gone what do I do oh, I'll do the nice thing again I'll be the, the happy friendly yeah, Mourinho oh, alright yeah no I've got some yeah. relationships let's tear them apart and stamp them into the mud <laughs> yeah so yeah mate, that's my override it seems so weird to say it but that's my overriding um, feeling with with um, with Spurs so heavily dominated by my thoughts on Mourinho. Um, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, there's going to be some kind of feeling in there that's um, not exactly objective. But I'm not sure at this juncture anybody has an objective view on Mourinho. You're one way or the other. There's no middle ground. Can I just? Can I just? That's say, exactly my point, right? I personally, he hasn't managed my team yet. I fucking love him because he's he's dramatic as fuck, and he's just it is hilarious watching him. Yeah, but D, you're all for that shithousery yes, stuff I anyway, am. aren't you? Yes, I am. So, yeah. <laughs> you loved that little poke in the eye, didn't you? Look, it's hilarious to me. It's it's always fun. Like, do, you, I, do you know what? This is the thing, and if, sorry to cut you off, but this is the thing that annoys me about Jose Mourinho. Because he did the poke in the eye, mm. and I think that was wrong. But if you're going to do that, mm. fucking own it. Don't do the pretend, <laughs> oh, I didn't see it. Oh, Wenger has that. Wenger locked <laughs> yeah. that down. Oh, I don't know. I did not see. Just be like, yeah, I fucking poked him in the eye and what? Come at me. Pep, what are you going to do, you little bald exactly. crime boy? Like, just go in. Just like, you should just be like, did you, did you just, did you just turn Mourinho to an East End gangster? Uh, he's a big fan of being uh, a Chelsea boy. That's not quite East End, but like. Close enough, okay. right? Yeah, Clo- that closer, would be. Closer than Portugal. So. Oh, God Geography lessons from the Band of Football Fan Podcast. We do everything here. <laughs> um, no, just to sum up, mate, um, Everton, we talked about Leicester and Wolves and teams like that, you know, where we think they're going to finish. Actually, funnily enough, I think that Everton, Wolves and um, Leicester fall into a similar kind of position. We were talking before about the maybe kind of three players mm. that Wolves might need. 
I think that Everton aren't too dissimilar and neither are Leicester actually because I think if Leicester were to lose Soyunju, I think they'd be in a lot worse defensive shape. I think if they were to lose Madison, they would lose a ton of creativity and obviously, you know, Vardy is Vardy. I think with Everton, if they are to lo- if they lose mm. Keane, I'm not sure who really comes in. Um, Can I just double check I that is defender Keane as opposed to forward Keane? Sorry, mate. Yes, yes. Um, is it Michael Keane? I think it's that? Michael Keane, yeah. Because they're both M Keane as well, which is just horrendous. Yeah, exactly. Sort it out, Everton. It's Sorry, not your yeah. fault, Callum. It's Everton out here being pricks of their transfer policy. Let's trip up podcast host. Everyone's got Keane on the back. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Callum. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I just think with... Um, I think they're all three of them are in similar positions in that they all kind of need a centre-back, a solid midfielder, and then a kind of striker because if we look at go back to Everton, if they lose Michael Keane centre back, hmm. they're in trouble. Their their midfield, like yeah, they've got Gomez who I think is a great player. Sigurdsson yeah, yeah. has got great technical ability. Davies is young and he fights. He's a good like good solid midfielder on his day. Um, but they don't really have like a standout name. Would I kind of be all for Barkley going? No, wow. no, no, no! Don't, don't yeah, float would, this to try would, and get him out. For me. But then, you bought him, but then you up keep top him. as well. Live with the consequences. Mate, fifty? What was it? Fifteen million? Fifteen million? I'll take it. There's no way we're making a loss. Wow! Would you swap him um, for Xhaka? Oh come on, yeah. man! Come That's on. Be big questions now. Wow. <laughs> What, what? No, I mean, does, I agree with from the sense that it would make, from the sense that it would make Lampard's selection policy easier. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I think um, I agree entirely with what you're saying. I think they are in similar position. The only place I might slightly waver is I think that Everton um, haven't quite built the team. They've kind of they're a little bit off. Uh, Ancelotti's doing very well with the team, but they've gone through a season of quite a few players and quite a few players out. I think Leicester are, and mm. Wolves are a little bit closer to um, being a complete team. However, what I would say mm. with that is it's often hard to complete that and that can be more difficult. Mm-hmm. So when you're rebuilding a team, kind of what I said to Demola when I'm actually being relatively sensible about Arsenal, is Thank like you. you're at a point now that almost anybody, well, not with your finances, um, but in theory, if you buy a good player, he's going to come in and he's going to make that Arsenal team better. And, you know, you can pick the majority of roles and you can make it better. Similar way to Man United at the moment. Like, they've got a few key people, but there are roles where you can just buy a player and they've got they're a bit ahead of the curve than you. Um, I think with Everton, their squad is a bit more in flux, but they've got more scope then to help give Ancelotti the tools perhaps to build the squad as a unit, as a whole, whereas maybe finding those one or two players for Wolves or Leicester could actually prove more difficult because you're still trying to keep that balance at the same time with what you've already got. I agree entirely with everything that you said. I think Everton are maybe a bit further away, but I think given they've just got Ancelotti in, that might actually be in their favour. No, I I 100% agree, mate. Wolves and Leicester as a team or as teams rather as um, the camaraderie and all of that kind of stuff that intangible stuff that makes a team they're mm. definitely ahead I was looking purely on paper beautiful at the squads Fair. Yeah, no. um, totally agree yeah. totally that's, agree. that's what I was thinking okay just the last thing just before we sign off Arsenal have managed to creep into the top 10 Jesus. can they establish themselves as a top 10 club next year do you think or 
and uh, slip back into the bottom half of the table. Honestly, at this point, Twist like we've 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 had knife. we've we've had this conversation. <laughs> I, no, to, I, to be honest, sorry I know you're taking. I know you're taking the piss. I'm trolling. I'm trolling. Um, I know, but I, I, I I'm going to answer that properly. Um, because uh, no, I actually want to like quickly move the, the question into a, a similar thing kind of theme. Obviously, with the we're seeing it with the team selections that Arteta is doing, which are quite interesting ones. Also, in the substitutions, and again, like I think you know, we talked about the substitutions and whether we should keep the five substitutions, and we argued about it, even though we all agreed, and it was very emotional and very funny. Um, but I think the amount of youth that is getting chances at Arsenal right now is exciting for the game in general. I would say particularly for England, I think quite a few of them are, are coming through the England youth teams as well. I've had a list somewhere, I don't think I've got it right. Um, but you must be excited by the core with every all this shit that is going on at Arsenal and there is a lot of it. You can spend too long talking about it so I would rather we skip it but in terms of all of those youth players coming through you've got to be excited not as much as I'd like to be so I've just got this these are just the English ones so this is from a tweet that I did earlier but Saka and Ketia Willick Maitland-Niles Smithrow Medley and Nelson that is a potential core moving forward into the future you, you, you say that but like as, as an Arsenal fan I think I don't see one. I don't think all of them are going to make it. The two players that st- stand out for me that actually the three players, to be fair, that I stand out, that I think are going to be the ones to make it out of that bunch are Smith Rowe, Saka, definitely, and so uh, you, you, every time, every time you have to be a dick, um, and and Joe Willock are the ones that I think might be of like of the Arsenal core is good because Nate, uh, Maitland Niles, I think he has this thing, depending on how Ateta ends up using him. I don't think he's made any particular spot his own. I know we, we had this argument last season where you were just kind of like, he should just be happy to get on the pitch and then work from there. But I think Sorry, that's he, like, there's some players that what? you said he should like, cause I said, Oh, he's not playing. Cause he was playing at left back. And you were like, and I was like, that's not his natural position, so I don't really think he should. But you were the, the impression of like, as long as he's getting playtime, he should just get. Are we talking about Maitland Niles from there? Yes. No, no, you are badly paraphrasing my argument. My argument was that I thought that given he's a flexible player, what they need to do to be fair to him uh, is they need to give him a defined position. And so it was right back he was playing at the time when Bellerin was out injured. And my opinion was that for that consistency of getting used to first-team football, he, they should have said, like, you are just the right-back. So, I mean, it's why also Chamberlain left, because he was getting moved around. He wanted to have, he was at, and I think for breaking into the team. So, like, there are conversations like um, Trent Alexander-Arnold was a midfielder. Should he move into midfield because we've got Neko Williams coming through? No. For the next two seasons, just say, Trent, you're a right-back. Just get used to, like, he's still getting used to football. And I think moving people around too much. So with AMN, keep him in one position. Be like you're the backup right back for this season. So he knows what he's doing. He knows how to train. He's not getting thrown on in 10 different positions in the game. In a similar way, he's dealing with it very well. But Saka at the moment, I've seen him on the right wing, the left wing, in central midfield and at left back, is going to affect his ability to play fantastically in one position at the moment down the line you can be James Milner whoa, whoa, whoa. you saw sorry wait you saw you saw Saka play where he's played central midfield he's played left wing well like left centre midfield last game he's played left oh, wing right. he's played left back and he's been out on the right 
I'm not saying equal. I'm not yeah, saying but, equal uh, amounts. Mainly left back and left wing, but I've seen him play in four different positions. I I, I was so very worried because I was just kind of like, what Arsenal matches have I not been watching? <laughs> no, so. no, 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 no. It was. I, I think he was left midfield last game. Like it was a bit of a weird one. Like your your tactics were a bit. I couldn't work out if you're doing four two two. Two or four, three, three. I, but I, 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 I don't even think we at any point were we properly playing with four at the back because I think at some point, at some point, it just seemed like Tierney was just acting like the, it was a three-man defense, and Tierney just kind of slotted in, and yeah, there, there was yeah, some stuff happened last game, but we won, so I could give a fuck. Okay. But, um... but yeah, no, I, I cut you off just to correct the record on my opinion. Because like I say often, yeah, I'm a dickhead. And I'm happy to be known as dickhead, but only for things I've actually said. But sorry, carry on. You were talking about uh, yeah, Arsenal so, players making it. Yeah, but yeah, and so for like those, those are the three that I expect. I expect uh, Smith Rowe. I expect Saka, obviously. Um, and I, I'm hoping Joe Willock comes through because I've seen Joe Willock play, and he's had these flashes of brilliance where he makes me feel like, and I can't, and I really hate using this comparison because. It's like I'm jinxing a player anytime I compare them to the man, but he reminds me of Diaby sometimes, the way he can run with the ball. Okay. So, um, so like, yeah, and I'm hoping he comes through. To be See, fair, I would I, say, I, and I don't know your opinion on this, and again, like, I'm half remembering stuff I kind of watched. He reminds me in a similar way to Julio Baptista, in that sometimes he comes on, or I watch him, and he's phenomenal, and I'm like, this is, like, he's the best talent in the world. And other times, it's just him kind of running around for extended periods of time without really linking up. Yeah, see, no, no, that, that, like, yeah, that's, that's why I said, that's why I said, like, he's, he's shown some flashes, flashes of brilliance where he plays and you're, like, he, he does something so well. And then you're just wondering, like, I've seen you do that. Then why didn't you do it in the next game? And, but, and this is, this is part of the problem. And you've pointed this out as well with Arsenal is like, on one level, it seems like it's a good idea because the youth come through and then they're like, yeah, I can make it in this team. But then on another level, you're just kind of looking like, who's teaching you though? And that's, that's some of the problem. That's Jacker. kind of the problem. Step on up. See, 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 see there, there you Please go. report so the training and, and I think, to be honest, in, in the, the case of Saka in particular, obviously, like I'm a big fan of him and I would take him, um, clearly. Um, but I think he he is getting to the level and I was actually talking with Deji about this the other day when he was talking I mean we're going to do a future podcast when we look at young England talent um, and he left Trent off the list um, and I kind of like I joked about you know but you know Trent you forget how young he is like there are players you just forget Mason Mount as well I don't really think of him as a youngster like I know he's breaking through uh, Tammy Abraham as well I think 22 I think Callum maybe 23 now and so you've got these players who are young and Saka is one of those where it's like yeah he will make it as a player I don't know what level he will achieve yet like Abraham will be a Premier League striker like I've got no doubt about that will he be the best striker will he take over from Harry Kane and be like the number one England striker of the next decade that's where we need to wait and see and I think Saka definitely is in in that category just one thing I want to pick up on that um, no Enketia Oh yeah, I was gonna come. I was gonna come to Eddie. Um, Eddie is for me. I I don't I don't even know because I look I look at Eddie right, and when he played at Leeds, he had that. He gave me that sense of like, okay, like he's gonna be the one to make it. But then gauging Arsenal's youth is such a problem. Is like you have to take into account where Arsenal is. Arsenal, like the only players that I seem to think that have shown that they're going to 
thrive regardless of the system are for me the three i've mentioned wait and see what happens like with eddie i do i do like him as a player but i do think there are certain aspects of his game where he needs to improve on uh normally it would be a blessing for him to play alongside obamayang but i don't think their play style is similar so i kind of think like there there's there's only so much like Aubameyang can pass on to him so right. with with like he's like Eddie Nketiah is for me is in the maybe pile in that I'm I'm glad he's getting games now I'm glad he somehow managed to take over and push Lacazette out of the squad which sounds absolutely ridiculous but apparently that's where we're at now I have doubts essentially I, I still have doubts about like him it could be like my my view of him could have been affected by when he was away at um, Leeds but he he wasn't the main the way he was used didn't make him like the main man but then again i realized why he wouldn't because if you're on loan at a club you no team wants the player that's on loan to be the star person because mm. if he goes then the entire like no one wants to deal with that shit. so yeah but with derby county so yeah so again i just i just i just look at it and like yeah those are the, the players that i expect to make it are the ones i've already listed and again, the problem you mentioned does actually raise head here in that if you're looking at a youth team and you're looking at youth, like youth players are for that reason, they're youth players. They need someone to either look up to that actually can go like, say, for example, youth players can look at Lampard and know, oh, yeah, Lampard, he's done everything. He, he did everything. At, um, mm. He's won everything. I can like learn off that, which is why when we had the discussion last and you were like, oh, there are no players on the field that can like lead some of these young players. I'm just going to like, that's, that's why Ateta's there. And like Ateta seemed to have a good rep from City about like nurturing talent and playing players. Like there's a lot of, um, a lot of Sane's development was attributed to him. It gives you hope. But other than that, like you said, unless, because this is a discussion we had where you were like, instead of getting rid of, um, what's the word? Getting rid of as many players as possible. The first team squad. Sorry, I said the first team yeah, sure. squad. And and then I've got no idea why I'm doing like a bingo announcer thing. Sure. And uh, what's the word? And then moving from there, and it's it's just one of those things where like this is the thing. Arsenal has been bad for so long, but it's been masked because we've been doing like relatively better than some teams that Arsenal fans seem to have this illusion about where the team is. <laughs> realistically yeah in in summary I've, I've listed the three that i think are going to make it the rest of it is up in the air i had high hopes for reese nelson at one point but it doesn't mm. like either ateta doesn't agree and ateta is not using him as well our ateta has just decided yeah um saka is clearly the one that's going to make it so that's the guy i'm going to work with so just one question i want to ask because we need to care for arsenal like we are running quite long already um, but I'll just cut most of what you say, so that'll be fine. I'll leave you in, Cullen, don't worry about it. I've started talking with you, and I'm sure we'll cover it in a future podcast. I think Arsenal need to get rid of a lot of their players, and I think they should start signing people, of, you know, or the calibre of somebody <laughs> like um, Callum Wilson from Bournemouth. Um, sorry, Callum, that was a uh, Callum from Bournemouth. Hey! Um, but I just think he's a kind of player in terms of ability. I think that Enketia could be better than him. I think Willett could be better than him. I think Saka. But in terms of work rate and just keeping at it and keeping plugging, that is the kind of player that you want in the club. Mm. I think at the moment you've got too many players who are the opposite of that. And I want to keep this answer very short so if you can keep it to 10 words or less. If you were Arteta, 
and you turned around and looked at the stands during the last Arsenal game and you saw Ozil with his feet up like that and Lacazette with his feet up like that chilling under their umbrellas like it was a nice Sunday afternoon down the park what would be your response when you're trying to turn around this club and the young players are stepping up so much to seeing some of your highest earners in particular Ozil just chilling like it was nothing um, like it was a day I, I'm not gonna lie 10 words or less <laughs> It wouldn't. I don't think that's a problem. The problem with Arsenal is every every player reaction takes on a life of his own because of the state of the club. So, say for example, Ozil chilling with. If Arsenal were doing okay, Ozil in that position in that posture, there's no story there. But because Arsenal are doing so badly, all of a sudden it's just kind of like, how dare he just stay there on a sunny day with an umbrella in his arms? Fuck that guy. So I think with, with I'm sorry, he was sat there. He knew he was not getting on the pitch. Yeah, but but yeah, that was an afternoon so, off. It, it, I'm sorry, he could have had a fucking ice cream in his so, hand. So, just so just, <laughs> just, just just so we're clear, just so we're clear. What what you want from what I'm getting the impression is it's kind of like that discussion we had earlier in regards to players apologising. What you want him to be is for him to sit at the stands and just look pertinent. Like oh he like he does like mm. I I I for me it boils up to that thing of like <laughs> do you know what I want and it's nothing necessarily to do with the reaction I think that the reaction and the, the visual stimulus of the players as they sit there is more the symptom rather than the cause of it what I think Arsenal need to do and what I wish back in the day um, that Liverpool had done when we were, were having trouble is they need to hire a mean auntie with a slipper <laughs> just to beat people. Just like the moment they're slacking, you know the aunties, you know I, I, what I'm I talking love, about. I just lo- running. Just... I love the fact that you, you effectively Wait, just turned this into these are misbehaving children, not grown adults, misbehaving children. And the way to deal with it is to go old school of like spare the rod and spoil the child we're not sparing the rod we're going to literally whip them into shape is essentially your solution at this point and as as much as all i'm saying is i think that that is an option that would work again as mo- they tried to be nice they tried to give them good contracts they tried to change the manager hasn't worked someone get this up again as Bam. as like wow it's like it's moments like this that i know that you truly have hung hung around a lot of african people <laughs> literally with but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> oh yeah boy i've had the you know on the way out of the house i've had the the just in case just, exactly like Bam, i know you're gonna do something like you know like they're, they're just putting in the early deposit but no but uh, like all joking aside with um with arsenal i do think like i like i said next two three seasons i'm just writing them off because whichever way it is that the team decides to like sort it out then that's that's how it's going to be because i see i see like unless someone hasn't been watching arsenal for the last couple of years it's very hard to shift a player like mustafi it's hard to shift it's definitely like there's no even point in attempting to shift also because he's already said he's not going anywhere the other players is just we're gonna have to take a loss and the rebuild is that's only got a year left of his contract so yes he does but like I want to say he's only got a year left. It'd be so much easier if he kind of left and just let us have some money. That'd be nice. But he's not. This is going to be a So thing. really, 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 really quickly, um, just to sum up kind of like what we've been going over today. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've talked about Liverpool winning the league and being the champions of the world and of Europe and of England. Um, but if you guys can really quickly, just what do you think top six next season will look like? 
Okay. Um, in no particular order, it's going to be between Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Leicester, Wolves, and Man United. <laughs> I think it's going to be Liverpool, City. Ooh, and then after that will come... I'm going to say Chelsea, uh, Leicester, United, Spurs, in that order. Wait, did you did you, did you just sneak in Spurs? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. I think I would go um, wow. Everton, Watford, Bournemouth. No, <laughs> I think I'll go... Um... See, I find it quite interesting. So I would say the easy answer I would just say is Liverpool, Man City... Um, Chelsea, Leicester, Man United. Have I got one left? Wolves. I think the top three will be interesting next year. I think we've had two very hard seasons at Liverpool. Um, and we've achieved stuff. Now, I am hoping beyond hope that we keep that going. Um, but we do need to keep that. There have been teams that have achieved, you know, Chelsea are a perfect example. I joked about the Chelsea bounce a few years ago, where it was like you won the league, then you came 10th, then you won the league, then you came 10th. Or like six, or you know, it was that you know up and down. Yeah. Um, I think Man City could either turn it on next season, or I think they can fade away. And Chelsea yeah. are just going to be super interesting. I'm really looking in the weird kind of like horror movie behind the couch fingers through their eyes. I'm really excited to see what <laughs> Chelsea do next year. Um, even though that might end up causing issues for my club, but I just think it's such an interesting group of players, and I think Lampard is doing a very good job. Of it. I do Whoa. not think we're going to win the league for another three years at the least. Three years. That's definite. So in three years, you will have won the league. No, no, we're not going to win the league. You're not going to win the, the league. Th- we're not going to win But you're the definitely going to win it in three years. years. No. Oh, are <laughs> you saying that you'll definitely years. have won it in four years, but you might not win it for three? <laughs> he, he, what I'm just what, trying what to ben is, What Ben is trying to do here is he there wants is it on record definite. so that in, in the, the event sentence. it doesn't happen, he will crucify you on it till the day you die. Basically, right now the internet is my draw and I'm trying to get my receipts put up in there. So I think I'm back down the line. (laughs) We we should do this. Maybe heading into next season, we should do more kind of like uh, predictions with forfeits that might make it interesting for the guys listening. Oh, 100%, mate. That would. (laughs) Okay, so I think that's kind of an end for today. Um, unless you guys have anything burning to say, but I feel like we've spoken quite a lot. Um, obviously, still seven games after the season. There's still a lot to be won. Still a lot to be lost. Ben, could you could you tell your Liverpool guys that seen as they've won the league when they come to the Emirates, could they just not give a fuck? That'd be very helpful. Um, unfortunately, we are currently trying to get more points than Man City do to break the record. So apologies. I was also talking to a Chelsea fan today. Who asked if, in return for beating City and giving us the walkout at the Guard of Honor, whether we could play the youth against Chelsea? And unfortunately, I was like, I've got a bet with Kelechi, so I can't lose that bet. Um, so unfortunately, moving forward, we're gonna have to. We're gonna. Have Do you to know what your problem is? What? You're 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 just ungrateful. That's 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 your problem. You're just I t- ungrateful. I tell you what the problem is, D. Is damn Kelechi going round? Making, making stupid making, bets. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Making bets and statements. <laughs> okay, so guys, thank you very much for joining me tonight. A great chat as always. We've covered a lot of topics and uh, I think we did a nice little in-depth dive into what's going on at the moment. Guys, thank you once more for listening. Um, it's always great to have you guys listen and get your feedback. 
Um, you can follow us on Twitter at FansBandit. Um, you can follow me personally, Bandito underscore Benny. Uh, guys, I don't know if you want to throw your Twitter handles down or not. You know what? I, I'm trying to think. My Twitter handle, what the fuck is my Twitter <laughs> handle? Oh, uh, yes, it's, it's uh, Dems87. Yeah, Dems87. So if you're, that's for D. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm CSmith848. I am one more number than than D. I one-upped you there, buddy. Ooh. But basically, <laughs> if you guys just want to head over to at FansBandit on Twitter, you'll that's hear us cussing each other out. And you'll be able to pick up our Twitter <laughs> quite easily. Um, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll be back in a week. Thank you, guys. Championi, championi, oi, Championi, championi, Guys, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Bandit Football Fans podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at fansbandit. Please do that. Please come and have a chat with us about football. Let us know how we're doing on the podcast. Let us know if there's anything else you would want to see. Um, let us know what flavour of ice cream you think that would have made Ozil's afternoon in the sun absolutely perfect. Um, again, thank you very much for all of the support you've given us. If there's one piece of advice I can leave you with is make sure you always keep your receipts. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.